Good morning, everybody. And welcome to the highlight of human civilization. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams. If you've never been here before, whoa, are you in for something special? Just like every day. Same time every day. If you see a whiteboard behind me, uh, this assumes that you're not simply listening to it. If you see a whiteboard behind me, you're probably already pretty excited, but you don't even know how excited you should be. When we get to the whiteboard, I'm going to blow your frickin' minds. Now, I've said that before, right? In uh, other broadcasts, other live streams, I've said, I'm going to blow your mind. And I actually did it, right? For those of you who have watched, I would say every time I've told you that, it actually did blow your mind. And I'm going to do it again, guaranteed. This one might be the best ever. This will actually change lives, I guarantee it. Not all of you. You Nothing works for every person every time. Some of you will have a completely different life. But first, the simultaneous sip, and all you need is a cup or mug or a glass of tankard, chalice, stein, a canteen, sugar, flask, just a vessel of any kind, and fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine here, the day, the, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. It's going to happen now. Go. I'm laughing at a uh, an off-color comment. Um, well, did uh, everybody see the video of apparently Saudi Arabia has a TV station, Saudi TV, it's probably the main station, and it's uh, they they had a skit mocking Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and it was kind of brutal. Now, I wonder if that would have happened under Trump. Uh, let's see. Trump went easy on Saudi Arabia even when Khashoggi got accidentally dismembered, or whatever the story was. And uh, that paid dividends. Uh, not only was the Trump administration you know, well-regarded, but uh, the Abraham Accords happened, and that, that was pretty good. So that's what uh, Trump did in terms of Saudi Arabia. But uh, Joe Biden did something unprecedented, too. He got them to mock one of their, the leaders of their, uh, <laughs> what should have been one of their strongest allies. <laughs> so that's not a good look. Speaking of not a good look, the big news today is consumer prices, inflation, soaring to new records, because we like to say they are new records. Soaring 8.5%. And have you seen the grocery shelves lately? All right, I was in the grocery store last night, and uh, it's starting to look pandemic-y. Is anybody having the same? Now, I'm not even talking about price. I'm talking about uh, there, there's a conspicuous lack of product. Is anybody seeing that yet? Now, my town is actually the, the, the headquarters of Safeway. So just by weirdest coincidence, they, the largest grocery chain uh, where I am, their headquarters is sort of walking distance from my house. So at, at the store that's closest to the headquarters of the main chain, there was a lot of stuff missing. You know what I mean? 
Now, so far, everybody's talking about substitution. It's like, oh, you're not going to get the brand you want, but you'll get what you want, just, just not the brand. And I'm starting to wonder which things are going to completely disappear. For example, um, if we are short on rice, no, not on rice, are we, if we're short on wheat, which looks likely, because Ukraine is the breadbasket, uh, what is the substitute? And where does it come from? And how much do we have? Because, you know, one possibility is people eat less bread. And we all get healthier. <laughs> Total possibility. Because I'm not sure they're eating a lot of wheat, you know, once it's processed into bread. I'm not sure it's doing us a lot of favors, if you know what I mean. So one possibility is that. What about this, uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, You'll tell me the name. Is it Miracle Meat or something that... How do you make that artificial protein that's like meat? What's it called? Super meat or... Oh, impossible meat, right? How do you make impossible meat? And if you had... Oh, beyond meat? Beyond meat, all right. And um, if you had to make a bunch of, of that impossible... Oh, is that made of soy? Are you, are you kidding me? The, oh, damn it. Because the only other good kind of protein comes from wheat. <laughs> wheat is also used to uh, <clears throat> make protein. Huh. <clears throat> well, that's, that's not so good. So here's the question. How quickly, and I mean quickly, as in wouldn't it be good in a few months, could we produce large amounts of alternative food if we had to? Like seaweed farms or... Uh, I don't know, what, what is the fastest growing thing that you can eat? Oh, here's a good question for you. What is the fastest growing thing that you could eat that might not be like world's best food, but you wouldn't starve? Bugs, okay. Kale, really? Eggs? Somebody say eggs, I don't know, really? Uh, potato. Seaweed. Well, we have a lot of ideas there. Um, I feel like we should know that, right? Because it, it would be easy to imagine... Oh, you know, quinoa only grows in some places, right? I don't think you can grow quinoa everywhere, can you? Can somebody give me, a, uh, give me a fact check on that? I don't think that we could just throw a bunch of quinoa in the backyard, could we? All right, well... I think we're going to find out a lot more about food. Um, Full disclosure, full disclosure, beep, 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 beep. Um, I invested in a small uh, company that does tabletop um, gardens. And uh, and, uh, so I've sort of followed that space, you know, indoor gardens. So there are a lot of companies that do walled gardens. But they all have the same limitation. You can grow lots of cool stuff indoors, but it tends not to be the nutritious stuff. And I'm assuming that there's clearly some correlation. It must be easy to grow low-nutrition things. Uh, Well, low-protein things. It must be easy to grow low-protein things and hard to grow anything that has protein in it. I'm guessing. Because, you know, you can get a lot of lettuce and uh, herbs... So if you could live on lettuce and herbs, indoor gardens would be amazing. But otherwise, vertical farming, you, you can't 
sort of do everything, right? You can't make a potato, can you? All right. <clears throat> so let's uh, watch out for that. So inflation's bad. There's not much to say about it, of course. You know, uh, let, let, me, let me ask you this. We all know that uh, we're all weird. If you're watching this live stream, you're a little bit weird because it means you care about current events and headlines, which is actually very unusual. If you took 100 random people, in America anyway, and said, hey, you watching those headlines? <laughs> and by the way, try this. <laughs> try talking to somebody that you sort of randomly selected and just bring up any issue that we talk about here in, in detail. They don't even know the topic. And, uh, and that's not an insult. I think they're doing fine. <laughs> I, I think it, you know, we're the ones who are suffering from having to have all this knowledge. <laughs> but, you know, somebody's, somebody's got to pay attention to keep people in line. So I think we're doing something useful, even, even in a small way. But anyway, um, don't you think that the 95% of the world that doesn't follow any politics, but they definitely know how much their food and gas costs... How could the Democrats win anything? And I'm actually starting to get worried that we're going to lose our balance of power. It could be so bad. Does anybody worry that the Republicans could get too much control? Because even if you're on that team, you don't really want your team to have that much power, do you? Do you really? Yeah, I feel like that's a mixed sort of, a, you know, be careful what, what you wish for situation, isn't it? It's, pr- it's very much a be careful what you wish for. But so other people say absolutely yes. See, the trouble is, <clears throat> if, the, if the Republicans got full control and then got everything they wanted, that would create the counterforce, that would create you know, a Democrat wave that would cause them to take back everything you wanted. So in, ed- in order to get anything that's lasting... You have to you have to do it the hard way, don't you? Anyway, um, did you see Joe Biden talking about so-called ghost guns? So I didn't even know what a ghost gun was, honestly. <laughs> How many of you even knew knew what a ghost gun was until maybe yesterday, or maybe you'll hear today for the first thing? <clears throat> now, in this audience, we're probably the highest level of gun ownership of just about any audience. <laughs> All right, so a few people knew. So what a ghost gun is, apparently you can buy uh, gun parts or something like a kit where you have to do like one piece of drilling or something that doesn't take much effort, but you can snap together the pieces and then you haven't bought a gun, you've simply made your own gun. It's a, it's a do-it-yourself gun, but it's made so easy to do it yourself that it's kind of really, really similar to buying a gun except that you don't have to go through the same, the same uh, you know, gun check, I guess, background check. So it's a ghost gun because it gets into the system without you know, being registered to anybody or having, I don't know, does it have a serial number? A ghost gun wouldn't have a serial number on any of the components, would it? Probably not, right? Yeah, somebody says no serial number. Okay, so now we know what those are. And Joe Biden actually gave a uh, demonstration uh, when he was talking about how bad they are. He gave a demonstration. He held it up, 
and he showed that you know, the one component is, is just easily attached to the other. Maybe there were three parts, but it looked like just two. And, he just, and then he said, and all you have to do is just you know, drill this one thing, and it just takes you a few minutes to turn these parts into a real gun. And I said to myself, I've seen some good infomercials. I, how many infomercials do you think you've watched in your life? Probably a lot, right? You're just flipping through the channels and you see an infomercial. But how often does that infomercial actually inspire you to buy the product? You know, you're looking at the, the Ronco Dysomatic back in the old days or whatever it is today. I don't know. How, how often do you say, I've got to get that sham wow? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got to get that uh, oxy uh, cleaning, whatever it is. Sometimes, sometimes. I, I have to admit they're, they're well-made. But I don't think I've seen one as well-made as the one that Joe Biden accidentally did when he demonstrated exactly what a ghost gun is. And I was like, well, thank you. That's very clear. For the first time, I understand what a ghost gun is. And Joe Biden did that for me, and I appreciated it. And then he went further, and he showed me how to assemble it and told me it was pretty easy to assemble it. And not only that, pretty easy to find a place to get the parts. It must be so easy that it's subject of a law to stop people from doing the thing that he just taught 100 million people to do, which they didn't even know was a thing until just now. Now, personally, I found that a very effective commercial. And until then, I was not even considering having a gun that had not gone through a background check, or I had, uh, or a gun that didn't have a serial number. But I thought to myself, wouldn't it be handy to have one? I mean, I'd, I hadn't put a lot of thought into it before, but I thought, if you're going to have a gun anyway, I mean, uh, you know, the number of uses for a gun would be, you know, you could make a list, a lot of legitimate self-defense uses, target shooting, etc. And for those things, I don't know, it wouldn't matter if you had a serial number or didn't have a serial number. really doesn't matter. But, but if you wanted to get, let's say, all of the uses of your tool, you might want one option that had no serial number. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And so Joe Biden's uh, infomercial, I have to say it worked. It activated me, and I thought to myself, i got to get one of these ghost guns. <laughs> because... <clears throat> If uh, the country is ever taken over by a fascist uh, anti-gun regime, I would like them not to be aware of my gun. Uh, would you like the, uh, the next administration to know you have one and know its serial number and attach it to your name? Or would you like a gun nobody knew about? Which one, which one is a better gun? Depends what you want, right? Let's see, the one with no serial number, would it defend against, uh, let's say, a home of any invasion? Yeah, 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 it would. Uh, so, so one of the purposes would be home defense, and it would work perfectly for that. Okay, good. Uh, how about if the country turned into some kind of a fascist you know, situation where they were trying to confiscate your guns so they could oppress you more? Uh, if you had a gun with a serial number, and is that good? No, that's not as good. That's not as good. But if you've got a ghost gun, eh, 
Maybe the government thinks twice. Maybe they do. So thanks, Joe Biden, for the ghost gun infomercial. Uh, We keep hearing that Putin has internal issues. I don't know how much of that to believe. But uh, reportedly, the head of his FSB, you know, the Foreign Service Bureau or whatever it is, like the intel people there, apparently put in jail the head of his lone FSB. And not just a regular jail, like the torture jail. (laughs) Apparently, one of the jails is famous for a little bit of torturing. And so he's in the torture jail, which doesn't mean he's being tortured. But as one news report said, it sends a strong signal when you take the head of the uh, FSB and put him in the torture prison, even if you're not torturing him. He's there. It's the torture prison. But apparently now, reportedly, who, who knows what to believe, reportedly purged more than 100 agents from the same place. Probably that's just getting rid of anybody who even knew the person who went to jail, don't you think? That's, that's probably really just the one thing. He's just being careful. All right, I'll get, get rid of anybody he hired, anybody who's a friend, anybody who has his contact in their phone number. Probably something like that. Uh, but then he also changed his general. So here's the interesting thing. As of this morning, Fox News, uh, a... One of the hosts, I forget which one, this morning, actually said the words, Russia is losing this war. As if that can be said as a statement of general knowledge now, and then moved on to the specific point. Now, I don't think anybody else is saying that, right? And I'm not sure that anybody else on Fox News would back that opinion up. It seemed seemed opinion-y. But it's on a news channel, and I didn't see anybody correct it. It was just spoken like it's common sense. Now, the, now the observation would be, since uh, Putin pulled out of the north and gave up on taking the capital for now, for now, that, that they're losing. But the other view, the other movie that's equally alive, is that what, uh, what Russia did is control the entire theater by uh, locking down the Ukrainian army in the north and around the port, I guess. And once, you know, two-thirds of the Ukrainian army was locked down, they could concentrate on destroying one-third of the army where they had the strongest forces. And once one-third of the Ukrainian army is destroyed, well, sometimes that's enough. Is there any, any military people here who would say, yeah, if you destroyed a third of somebody's army, they'd probably quit? if you did it in a week, (laughs) right? So that's one view. One view is that Putin completely has this thing under control. They're they're surviving the uh, sanctions. Uh, He'll he'll consolidate power just like he planned, and then he'll move on the capital now or next year or under the next president. But, you know, he'll, he'll get it. He'll get it sooner or later. So which is true? We can't even decide. Yeah, decimated is even less than one-third, right? Decimated means 10%. Uh, but even 10% could, could destroy your war-making capability, right? Am I right about that? And I guess that depends if you're talking about modern warfare or ancient warfare. Uh, if it's the right 10%, you know, if you get their, their fuel and whatever else, you don't have to destroy much of them if you get the right 10%, I guess. 
Um, so, what do you think? Uh, l- let me put it to you. Who is winning? Who's winning the war, Ukraine or Russia? As, as of now, we don't know how the end end goes, but who's winning now? Go. Somebody says OPEC. Good answer. Uh, China is a good answer, too. I say mostly Russia. Russia, Russia. One Ukraine, huh? That's Ukraine. So uh, very few of you are saying that Ukraine is winning. Now, is that because you buy into the, um, the movie that says that Putin never wanted to take the capital? Yeah, unless it was easy, but it wasn't necessary. The only necessary part was pinning down, pinning down the forces around the capital. Because one imagines that the best part of the Ukrainian army would be at the capital, right? I mean, if, if you imagine that the capital is the thing they most need to uh, defend then any assault on the capital would make all the best Ukrainian forces be there, and then Russia could take care of the, you know, the lesser trained forces, lesser equipped forces. Maybe, I don't know. Now, I, I, mean, I would just be guessing. It's entirely possible that it's the reverse, and because the military had more of a conflict, than the, I don't know, maybe they had better stuff in the South. Who knows? I don't think I would know. Um, yeah, Kiev is on the roof. Exactly. So, um, I'm not even sure that I would uh, you know, say that I can tell. Now, I was watching a video by Peter Zayan, and he says a lot of smart stuff about, <laughs> about this stuff. So, I don't know who's right, but when people say stuff that sounds smart, uh, I like to pass it along. And according to him, the Russian military is essentially pathetic. And it might have a lot to do with the fact that they don't coordinate their forces, meaning they don't have you know, close air support where they need it, and they don't have the artillery supporting the whatever, the infantry, whatever it is. So um, do you think that, that, that that's true? That the, and, and the thought is that if Russian forces ever met U.S. forces on the battlefield, they would just be annihilated. Why is it that we think we know anything this week when everybody was wrong about everything last week? (laughs) Isn't it weird that this is sort of like that Gelman amnesia, where Gelman amnesia, where you read something in your expertise in the news, you know it's wrong because it's your expertise, but then the very next article is not your expertise and you accept it as probably true. What are the odds that every time it's something you know about is wrong? But if it's not within your, your domain, you realize, oh, this probably sounds right. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's like that. You can complete the analogy. So, um, do you, what, what do you think? Do you think the Russian military is just a basket case? I don't know. They... I think it's a combination of the Russian military being a basket case in some ways. Um, it looks like poor, poor planning, poor intelligence, poor communication, poor communications, poor coordination. Um, and maybe the equipment's bad, too. It looks like they got some equipment problems. Basically, uh, basically everything is, is bad there. All right. Um, 
And so Zayan is also saying that the only thing the Russians can do probably is just rubble the cities because they don't have a plan B. If, if Ukraine didn't just sort of roll over, all they had, because they don't have a strong enough military to do any precision stuff, they just got to take it out. So it looks like that's where things are heading. Uh, Glenn Greenwald had an uh, interesting point of view that I don't know if I'm completely agreeing. Let's see if you agree with this. Do you agree or disagree or not completely agree like me? So he says, uh, the widely reported pervasive fear among the Twitter workforce that Elon Musk may endanger or even end their systemic uh, censorship regime illustrates how central of a tactic Internet censorship has become for U.S. liberalism. Information control is vital to their worldview. So his point is that if the liberals did not control us through essentially brainwashing, that the only way you can keep the liberal agenda alive is literally a form of brainwashing via the press. Agree? Sort of agree? Or disagree? All right, here's my problem with that. Do you really think it's just the liberals? <laughs> do, do, you think that the, uh, do you think that the Republican worldview or the conservative worldview, you think it wouldn't fall apart if there were not a, a well-organized, right-leaning machine that keeps the narrative intact, that these are the good things and these are the bad things? A lot of you are saying no. So the people saying no, they're actually... They're, uh, this is weird, but I'm going to agree with you in a weird way. The, the thing that I, I consistently know about the Republicans is they, they favor practical solutions. They might be difficult solutions in terms of it's not fair to everybody, but sometimes that's the only solution. Is one that works a little bit most of the time, and that's the best you can do. So the, the Republicans, arguably, arguably, I think you could actually legitimately make this argument, the Republicans uh, don't need to create an artificial worldview for anybody because the real worldview is just based on practicality. So you don't have to hide it. <laughs> And, and maybe some transparency, too. So if, so if your worldview is based on transparency and practicality and using things that have worked before, and if it doesn't work, what would a Republican do if they try something and it doesn't work? <laughs> I mean, just, right? They would do something different. What, what do the, uh, the people on the left do if they try something and it doesn't work? Because we can see that right now, right? See it with immigration, see it with inflation, you can see it with taxation, you can see it with, uh, with uh, the drug use, the, the crime, the way they... Everything. So far, so far, <laughs> the, the liberal worldview requires you to be blind to how it's going. <laughs> you, you have to literally be blind to how it's going to want a little more of it. Whereas the Republican view, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a Republican, right? So if you're new, if you're new to me, I'm not a Republican. 
so I'm not, I'm not defending my team when I say this, but if a Republican tries something and it doesn't work, don't they want to know about it? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Don't they kind of want to know about it right away? Oh, this isn't working. And, and don't they want to change it? Like right away? <laughs> it's like small difference, isn't it? So when I first read this, the Greenwald's uh, view, where he seemed to be suggesting that maybe it was the, the U.S. liberals who have this requirement to hide what, how things are going. And my first view was, well, I think both sides. Both sides. And then I thought about it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. There actually might be a difference. Maybe it isn't both sides in this, in this one case. All right. Here's the biggest story in the world. Biggest story in the world. Um, Jeff Pilkington has been noting that the press has been talking about mushrooms a lot. New York Times, Washington Post, New York Post, US, uh, USA Today, BuzzFeed. And I think just because there's a new study out, maybe they're all just talking about the new study. But it's interesting that the popular press, left and right, seems to be unified that there's something going on. And that mushrooms seem to be able to have some, like, maybe almost magically powerful ability to end addiction and a variety of mental illness, like almost instantly. (laughs) Now, how is that possible? Well, here's the part where I'm going to blow your mind. Because if you look at the new research about what mushrooms do, the way it's explained that they help you with with the mental problems is it, is it keeps you from being locked into a, a destructive thought loop. And rather, it just makes your mind more fluid while you're on mushrooms. And, and you basically just think about other things for a while. And that's it. That might be the entire magic. It just, makes you, it just allows you to get out of a loop. Remember what I told you? That you don't think about what's important what you think about seems important. If you're thinking about something that's very trivial, but you can't think about anything else, it is the most important thing in your life because it's what you can't stop thinking about. So as soon as you understand that the uh, that things are maybe opposite of how you imagine them, you're not drawn to important things and that's why you're thinking about them. You're Sometimes you're just thinking about them and then you imagine they're important things. That's it. Now watch me tie together in a sweeping demonstration of awesomeness that you have never seen in all of your life. This will change some of your lives. Seriously. <laughs> this is actually going to blow your mind so much, some of, your, some of your lives will be changed now. Now, like I always say, not most of you. Not most of you. Most of you will just get to watch other people's lives be changed. But I'm going to reframe something so powerfully that some of you are just going to have the whole course of your life changed right now in a good way. Here it goes. What do the ideas of shelf space, diversification, mushrooms, and mental illness have in common? What do all those things have in common? Let's say you were investing in the stock market and you wanted to avoid a mistake, such as buying a stock that loses all your money. 
How can you avoid that mistake? How can you, how can you fix the problem that you don't know what stock to buy? Well, you don't. You don't. You don't fix that problem because you'll never know what stock to buy. So instead, you cheat. You use something called diversification. You buy a little bit of a number of different stocks in different areas so that none of them are likely to go down at the same time enough that you lose all your money. And experts have shown that buying and holding a a well-diversified portfolio gets you the best long-term return. So keep this pattern in mind. This is just a pattern I'm putting in your head. The pattern is you had a problem. You don't know how to pick a good stock, and nobody does one good stock. That's a problem. But did you fix it? No. No, you didn't fix it. You worked around it by diversifying. So keep in mind, you don't have to fix problems. You can work around them by diversifying. Keep the pattern in mind. It's not about finance, just the pattern. Right? When I talk about shelf space, I've talked about how to uh, get yourself out of a bad frame of mind. And I say, you can't, you can't unthink something. If I told you, stop thinking about my whiteboard, could you do it? No, no, not the moment I tell you. Because when I say, don't think of my whiteboard, no, really, stop. Put that out of your mind. Do not think about the whiteboard behind me. You can't do it. Brains are not, deci- brains are not designed to stop thinking. <laughs> they can't do it. So instead, what do I tell you? And you've heard me give this advice before. I tell you to, th- to add things. Don't subtract, because you can never subtract a thought. You can only add things until you've diversified. There it is again. You don't solve your problem that you've got a negative thought. You can't make it go away. Nobody can. You just can't make it go away. But you can add enough other thoughts that it becomes one slide in the carousel, and then you still have to see it when the carousel comes around, but it's a little bit less of an impact because it's one slide and then you're right back to the beach. Oh, pictures of my dog. Oh, people I love. Oh, family members. Oh, beach. Oops, 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 oops. Get rid of that one. Oh, back to the beach. Shelf space. If you fill your shelf with good thoughts and you diversify the things you're thinking about, the bad thought will just have less power. Now, diversification works with finance. It works with finance. It doesn't solve the problem of knowing what stock to buy. It works around it by diversification. Shelf space, this idea, doesn't solve the problem of the bad thought. It works around it by adding diversification. Do you know what mushrooms do? Turns out that what mushrooms do is they make your mind fluid. And they, can, they, they know this now because they can hook you up to sensors and they find that people who have, uh, let's say, depressive, depression or obsessive thoughts, <clears throat> you know that thought you can't get out of your head and it's, it's bumming you out? As soon as you take mushrooms your brain flattens, as they call it. And suddenly, you can easily go from the negative thought to anything. You can just leave your thought. Now, did the negative thought go away? Nope. (laughs) When you're done with the mushrooms, have you forgotten the negative thing? 
No. You, you've forgotten nothing. You have added things. You took, a, you took a long journey in which you diversified. And here's the amazing thing. <clears throat> Apparently, after you've had this journey, <clears throat> the ability to diversify stays with you. So the next time that thought comes up, you don't have to be on mushrooms because you already figured out how to get out of your bubble once and you learned it. You actually learned how to leave the bubble. And for some people, once they learn it, they only have to see it once. And then they can treat everything like it's just a dot in a big universe. It's not the biggest problem in the world unless you think of it all the time. So don't think of it. That's the trick. All mushrooms do is they don't solve any problems. So you have exactly the same amount of problems after you're done with the mushrooms. It's just that you spent more time with the other thoughts, and they weren't negative. It's all the same. So here's the reframe. Don't fix your problems. Diversify. And when you find out how many times that will work in your life, you'll realize that I just changed your life. Let me give you an example. Do you have a problem that uh, the one person you're trying to date isn't responding? It's, It's not working out with that one person? Ever have that problem? Do you know what the solution is? Date more people. Diversify. You can't solve the problem with that one person. <clears throat> Just add more social life. You, you're lonely and your one friend is busy. How do you solve that? Well, there's nothing you can do. That one friend is busy and you're lonely. Don't solve it. Diversify. Add some friends. Right? Your uh, exercise routine isn't getting you the results you want. Have you, ever, have you ever, do you know somebody who does ab exercises every day and then they've been doing it for years and they don't have good abs? Have you ever seen that? Do you know what the solution is? Diversify. Yeah, the only way you can make your abs really get defined is if you add a bunch of different exercises to get at them at different angles. Don't solve it. Diversify. Uh, let's say you want to eat, eat well but you're not so good at it and you don't know what tastes good and how to, how to find good food, how do you solve that? Don't. Just diversify. Just start eating a whole bunch of different stuff and you'll just discover stuff you like and you'll look at the label and you say, yeah, it looks pretty good. There's a whole bunch of problems you don't have to solve. That's the reframe. Don't look for solutions. Look for diversification. It works almost everywhere. <laughs> and once you learn that diversification is the, the path, not the solution to the problem, that also allows you to get out of your mental loop. Now, did I deliver? You, you tell me. See, I, I, make, I made a big promise, but I wouldn't do it unless I thought I could deliver. Did I deliver? So what I'm suggesting to you is if you don't want to do mushrooms, and that would be a perfectly reasonable point of view. Yeah, I'm not your doctor. I don't recommend them because I'm not going to recommend a drug. That's not my line of business, right? You shouldn't take my word for it. I'm just telling you that there's now a very clear reason 
why mushrooms are giving the outcomes that seem magical. And I'm also suggesting, and this is the important part, so, so if your takeaway from this is do mushrooms, that's not, that's not where I'm going. <laughs> the takeaway should be this. In all things, look for the diversification path. And one of those ways is the shelf space idea. And without ever doing mushrooms, if you can simply teach yourself to think of more things, add things, add things, don't subtract, just do that. And you'll find that you'll spend more time on dopamine-producing things and less time on dopamine-sucking things, and you'll probably notice a difference. All right, now, um, minds are blown, yes or no? And, and do you believe that at least some of the people watching this, will, their lives have just been transformed? <laughs> yeah, there's a few no's, but mostly yeses. So if you're listening on the audio, mostly people are agreeing. Now, I, certainly the, the skeptics I respect. If you're, if you're skeptical here because you know, I, haven't, I haven't shown you science and data, that's a good place to be. So I would completely respect a, a disagreement on this point. But... Take it forward and use this, uh, let, let's say, this pattern or this uh, reframe and see how many times it's useful in other domains. And if the, if the only thing you took away from this is to think in terms of diversification instead of problem fixing, it is life-changing. You just don't know it yet. All right. Um, New York Post reported that uh, mushrooms can talk, and they have... a uh, Maybe a uh, 50-word vocabulary. Uh, what? Mushrooms can talk, and they, and they have 50-word vocabulary. Now, there are different kinds of mushrooms. I, I, there was no word if they have different accents or different languages. Like, for example, can a, can a shiitake talk to a, you know, whatever? Uh, no word on that. But the New York Post reported this, uh, that mushrooms have a 50-word vocabulary, so they can communicate things like you know, danger or so there's some weather. So this is totally true. This is totally true, isn't it? Everything about this sounds really, really true. Well, until you read to the end of the article, because it turns out there's a, there's a second possible interpretation of the same data. So remember, the, the one is that all the mushrooms can talk to each other even across different mushroom types. So translation doesn't seem to be a problem for a mushroom. And they got 50 words, and they can really communicate. So they say that's one possibility. And the, the so-called words are in the form of a different uh, uh, electrical signal. right? So there are 50 or so distinct electrical signals that one mushroom can send another mushroom. So that's their 50 words. So the, another scientist was asked for his opinion, and his opinion was, yeah, you know, the other possibility is uh, uh, mushrooms just give off electrical signals. Aw. Aw. <laughs> and, and it turns out they do give off electrical signals. Aw. Well, that ruins the whole thing. A- apparently, nobody has identified the words. It's just electrical signals. Aw. 
I really wanted my mushrooms to be an alien species who had come to Earth to cure our mental illness and addictions. And they were giving of themselves their actual bodies and a lot of their communication. I was hoping, uh, weren't you? I was hoping that the mushrooms were sort of a, oh, a natural giving species who would just come to Earth and say, you know, please just eat me. Uh, and here's my brother. He's a, he's a fun guy. Uh, I'll do this again. Some of you didn't catch that the first time. <clears throat> so this is the mushroom talking. Uh, please eat us. Uh, you can eat me and you can eat my brother. He's also a fun guy. Okay, if you didn't get it the second time, there's nothing I can do. Um, so mushrooms probably don't talk. Over in Shanghai, 25 million people still locked up. Horrific stories. But also when CNN covered it, it looked less horrific, but it's got to be pockets or worse than other pockets, right? So are people killing themselves and screaming into the night that they're starving uh, or not? Because when the CNN person did his little package, um, I guess he, you know, where he is, they got to leave once a day or twice a day to go to the approved places to get supplies, which included food. I mean, nothing you'd want to eat but food. Do you think that's more typical, that everybody's getting out once a day to go buy food and that he had to be you know, tested several times and blah, blah, blah? I don't know. I don't know what to believe. But I think there are uh, over 100 million people in different places in China locked down with, I think, no hope whatsoever that this can work. I don't think the story is the that over 100 million people are locked down. The story is it can't work right? Unless you're just locked down forever, and that's not going to work either. So it looks like a plan within a plan. And uh, I regret to tell you that as of today, I'm going to cancel all of my summer travel plans because uh, Philadelphia is going to reinstate indoor mask mandates Monday. So I'm just going to cancel all my summer plans because I think the masks are coming back, at least for airplanes. I don't think, I don't think airplanes are going to lose masks. I think they're just going to extend it. Or at least the risk is too high. So there's nothing I want more than to get out of this house. I mean, I, I really, really would like to go somewhere. But I'm not going to travel with a mask. I'm just not, not going to get on a plane with a mask. It's not going to happen. So I just won't travel. And uh, <laughs> why do you say I lost? This is something that feels like a judgment call. All right, but that's another. That's another issue. So uh, let's hope that that uh, coronavirus business <clears throat> doesn't catch up to us again, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes what I think you would agree is the best live stream you've ever seen. Rarely does a live stream cure people of serious problems every single time it comes on. But, you know, uh, Jesus did well too. Um, not, and I don't mean to take anything away from the people that Jesus cured. There were several of them, according to reports. Maybe dozens? Uh, my numbers are bigger, 
But that doesn't mean I'm better in any way. I just, if you're just counting, my numbers are bigger. But, um, (laughs) no, no, I'm just teasing. Don't take anything I say seriously. We'll all take a joke, and tomorrow we'll come back. Because there are a few of you I haven't completely fixed yet, and I think I'm going to get to you next. You might be next. And so for now, bye to you at uh, YouTube. We'll talk to you tomorrow.